Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord God, we pray now that you would open up our ears, that we might hear your voice. Open up our eyes that we might see Jesus, and open up our hearts that we might be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. Hear now the word of the Lord. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. They did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. Seems like we're developing a pattern here. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he is baptized in the Jordan River as God declares, You are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus goes to Nazareth where he is rejected. Now here, near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he goes up on the mountain and is transfigured as God declares from the cloud, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And then Jesus begins his final march toward the cross, and as he passes through Samaria, he is rejected once again, which is surely a foreshadowing of the rejection he will receive in Jerusalem. Rejection at the beginning, rejection at the end. Now, I'm sure that at least part of the reason for the Samaritans' rejection of Jesus was theological. After all, the Jews and the Samaritans disagreed about many things. About the only thing they did agree on was that they were enemies. But perhaps their greatest source of disagreement was where God should be worshipped. The Jews, of course, believed that God's presence was only to be found in the temple in Jerusalem, and therefore that was the place to worship God. The Samaritans, on the other hand, believed that the right place was Mount Gerizim in Samaria, which was the original holy place after the Israelites entered the promised land. But when Jesus came into their town and 
the Samaritan saw that his face was set towards Jerusalem. Reminding all of them of their theological differences and disagreements. Well, the Samaritans decided to cancel Jesus. I guess, turns out we didn't invent cancel culture after all. Apparently, it's been around long before social media came on the scene. Perhaps we've only perfected the art of rejecting and blacklisting those who disagree with us, even those who believe in the same God that we do, even when they are but humbly trying their best to be faithful to what they believe God desires of us. Truth is, there may be no greater wound on the body of Christ than Christians' inability to get along with or even have conversation with other believers who do not see things the way that they do, or may have, who may have a different view on the right path for our nation or our church. And we just tell them to go to another church or join a different denomination, often even accusing them of not being real Christians at all. But of course, the great danger in our self-righteous inability to handle differences of opinion in a gracious way is that like the Samaritans, we just may find that it is we who are rejecting the Savior. Or as I've said before, Jesus is a whole lot harder to pin down on many issues than most people think. Of course, He was quite clear about a few things that we have a great tendency to ignore. We'll come back to that later. And so, you know, I, I think that maybe there was more to the, to the Samaritans' rejection of Jesus than just theological differences. I think that when they saw the look on his face, as it was set like stone with steely determination towards Jerusalem that they decided to walk away. There was just something unnerving in his eyes, like, like a man about to run into a burning house to rescue those trapped inside, knowing that he will likely not come out alive. Perhaps the Samaritans intuitively understood what awaited Jesus in Jerusalem, and that was a journey they did not want to go on with Jesus. That was not the kind of Savior they were looking for. Frankly, it's not the kind of Savior most of us are looking for either. No, we prefer the Jesus of Galilee to the one who keeps calling us to follow him to Jerusalem. After all, things were great in Galilee, weren't they? I mean, in Galilee, there were huge crowds of admirers and wonderful dinner parties to enjoy and interesting parables to ponder I mean, Galilee is where home is, where we were surrounded by friends and, and family. It's where we feel safe and secure, comfortable, and at peace. And there's still so much for Jesus to do in Galilee, isn't there? I mean, there's still so many people to heal and so many sermons to preach and so many children to bless. Why would we ever leave Galilee? After all, we know just as well as Jesus what awaits in Jerusalem. More rejection. 
For Jerusalem is a place of darkness and struggle and conflict and and suffering. And so when we see Jesus begin to fix His gaze on Jerusalem, well, most of us start abandoning ship, looking for anything we can hold on to so that we can remain there forever in Galilee where we feel safe and in control. Well, be very sure, as Will Willimon has said, Galilee and Jerusalem are not just two places on a map, but places in our very souls. They are fixed points on a compass that is your life and mine. And we have to decide which one is going to define our lives and direct our paths. Two roads diverge in a wood, and we all prefer the comfortable, well-worn road that leads back to Galilee, not realizing that it is our house that is burning, that it is we who are in need of salvation. And only on the less-traveled road to Jerusalem can we receive it. For Jesus will not go back with us. He will not sit around waiting for us to abandon our dreams of life in Galilee. For He will allow nothing to prevent Him from fulfilling His mission to save us. Not even our rejection of Him. So we have to decide whether we trust Jesus enough to go with Him to Jerusalem, which for many of us might be the very place we did not want to go. Clearly, the Samaritans did not want to go to Jerusalem with Jesus. And so in response to their rejection, two of Jesus' disciples, John and his brother James, they asked Jesus if, if he wants them to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them. You know, why didn't I think of that earlier? That could come in real handy sometimes. But Jesus was not entertained by this notion, and instead he just turned and rebuked them. Surely, John and James were just being protective of Jesus, offended on his behalf by the Samaritans' refusal to receive him. But apparently, they had, been not, they had not been paying very careful attention in Galilee, where Jesus had been teaching us to love our enemies to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who curse us, and to pray for those who abuse us. It's where He commanded us to be merciful and to forgive and to turn the other cheek. But for as much as we long for life in Galilee, we still have such a hard time living by its lessons. Which, of course, is precisely the reason Jesus needed to go to Jerusalem and why we need to go with Him. Our need for vengeance and payback and judgment on others has to die. 
You know, I suspect it must have been particularly painful for Jesus that this idea of torching the Samaritans came from James and John. After all, the two of them had just been up on that Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, where God had spoken to them out of the clouds saying, this is my son, listen to him. But rather than listening to Jesus, who had been preaching to them about grace and mercy and love, they became became determined to cancel the Samaritans with a little fire from heaven. Perhaps it was because they had seen Elijah and Moses up on that mountain, two of the great legendary prophets from Israel's past who had each called down fire from heaven upon their enemies. And they figured, hey, if they could do it, then why shouldn't we? I mean, hey, it's, it's for a good cause after all, right? Truth is, most of us claim to reject violence at least until it suits our cause. And then we'll often go to great lengths to justify it, even citing Scripture of all things. I'm sure that each of us have certain people or groups of people in our lives. We wouldn't mind being consumed by a little heavenly fire or at least singed a little bit. But every time we think that way, we reveal that it is we who have rejected Jesus and are no longer listening to Him. So maybe in reality, it's actually you and I who are in need of a little fire from heaven. After all, fire can not only destroy, it can also purify and cleanse, and refine, and revive. And unlike those disciples, we know what happens on the other side of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. When after His resurrection and ascension, the fire from heaven would come down upon those disciples at Pentecost burning away their self-righteousness and their pride and their selfishness and their need for payback and transforming those thick-headed, disobedient Galileans into apostles of grace who changed the world. And I bet we could all use a little of that heavenly fire right about now in our lives, couldn't we? After all, This past year has just felt like one long, difficult, uphill climb to Jerusalem, leaving all of us feeling exhausted and frustrated and discouraged. It's just been a year of so much disappointment and loss, a year of conflict and violence, a year of suffering and and death. And most of us are just so longing for life to go back to the way it was back when we were in Galilee. But the more we set our faces toward Galilee, 
the more tempted we are to abandon Jesus, causing us to forget the lessons that He taught us there as we find other voices to listen to besides His. For Jesus will not return with us to Galilee, for He will allow nothing to prevent Him from arriving in Jerusalem. And therefore, he just keeps moving forward and inviting us to come with him. For that is where our salvation lies, not on the road behind us, but with Jesus on the road ahead. And I know sometimes this seems like such a long journey, but be very sure Jesus will arrive at his destination and he will fulfill his mission. And that means that hope and new life are waiting for us just over the horizon. But the only way we're ever going to be able to arrive in Jerusalem with Jesus is if, is if we get a little fired up, if you know what I mean. And I realize that's, that's pretty difficult for Presbyterians to do, but but we need to open ourselves up to the transforming fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can not only stay close to Jesus on the journey and keep listening to Him, but so that we can bring light and life to the people around us who are all in such desperate need of a little grace right now. And you just never know who God might be placing in your path to bless with a little heavenly fire. Might even end up being those you once considered your enemies. If you recall from the book of Acts, after that fire from heaven came down and transformed those disciples at Pentecost, The gospel began to spread out from Jerusalem and it made its way to Samaria. And when the apostles heard that even the hated Samaritans had received the good news about Jesus, guess who they sent to go and pray for them and lay his hands on them so that they too might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the apostle John. Turns out he did end up getting to call down fire from heaven upon those Samaritans. But it was the fire of life rather than the fire of death. For John had been to Jerusalem with Jesus. And he'd come out on the other side. And so will we. And Jesus is calling all of us to embrace that fire in our lives. That heavenly fire that alone has the power to bring healing and forgiveness and give new life, perhaps even to the people we once wanted to destroy. But the only way that can happen 
is if we stay on this challenging road with Jesus and keep listening to Him. So as we continue on this Lenten journey to Jerusalem, let us all commit to praying that the power of the Holy Spirit, the heavenly fire, might come down upon each of us and upon our church and set our hearts on fire once again for Jesus. May it be so. Amen.